The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey everyone, Richard Blaze here with Jasmine Blaze. Uh, welcome to Starving for Attention, uh, and thank you right off the bat. I want to say thanks, Jasmine. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean to you always, eternally. Um, but to our listeners, because uh, you guys have, are keeping us on this uh, top two hundred. Piece of quinoa. Just Sometimes it's fourteen. What happened? A piece of quinoa just flew off the table and I thought it was a bug and I almost screamed. Oh, yeah. Sometimes the uh, Bolivian black quinoa yeah, can look like, like a, a little insect or something like yeah. that. So I'm glad it wasn't. Um, that just means that like our kids were eating quinoa last yeah. night on the kitchen yep. table because that's kind of what happens, right? I mean, Anyways, parents but, who are listening know yeah, that. Like yeah, rice, you know, rice, like quinoa, kids and rice, it's quinoa. It's just Amazing. Um, a disaster. Yeah. Anyways, and, and yes. our dog is not health conscious. Top, not top 200 is what you were saying before I interrupted? Gobble up the quinoa. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. top 200, uh, starving for attention. So we have been as high as 14, but we're still on that list. So yeah. uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, do us a favor, uh, really, like go grab someone's phone, tell your mom, tell your mom's friend, Gene. Remember that SNL? Yes. There's <laughs> always up a with thing Gene? with Gene. Yeah. Right. Um, but seriously, every little subscription, it's free. It helps us out. We really appreciate it. It's, it keeps us able to uh, record these awesome podcasts. And this last little latest run here has been some really big uh, epic talent, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it always is. I, yeah, think. I, mean, I think when we go to Aspen, we just kind of get... Um, amazingly lucky to get some amazing people. To they're all around. This. They're yeah. all around. And they're all around. Right. And uh, so we're cruising up on the end of those Aspen podcasts. Today is Mr. Rocco Despirito. Nice. Which is been Rocco. I think we probably mentioned it in the pod, but basically I'm, I'm a fan of Rocco. Like one of my first restaurant experiences that really set me off, um, you know, I think to becoming sort of even like a modern chef was like Rocco's food at Union Pacific the now defunct, been defunct for a little while, restaurant in uh, Manhattan. Yeah. Um, And his food was just great. Like uni with mustard oil and Mm, rabbit loin with fennel and everything was tight and beautiful. And um, that's how I learned about Rocco. Mm. That's how, you know, I think people in that sort of late 90s... Chef community. Chef community, you know, learned about Rocco. But the world probably was introduced to Rocco... On the restaurant. Through the television... On his show, the restaurants. Right. Uh, he did a lot of he did Food Network stuff. I think even before, before that, yeah. The restaurant. I mean, I remember he had a show where uh, I forget the name of it. We talk about it in the pot, but where it would be chefs from different places. So like, yeah. For Rocco, it was like, um, you know, I feel like he did like Italian and uh, and then like Padma was his co-host or Cat Cora would be his co-host for that yeah. episode, and they would cook nice. a dish from their sort of motherland. Um, but once you go network, I feel like that just, it's like a ne- next level, Ooh, right? Oh, I like where you're going. unlocked. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Network opens up a whole different. Yeah. It's different people. And even, especially, sector. I mean, that was like the nineties, right? I mean, so there was no streaming. There was no anything like that. So like people that were catching TV, like if you didn't have the cable channels or pay channels or a full package of channels, you might just have network channels, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, it was, I'm cluing you kids into this. This yes, is how it used this to is be. It. Yeah, there were, you, could, you didn't have 100 challenges <laughs> you could just and just have ABC, NBC, and CBS and, and PBS. Kids, like our kids are going to be like not even like, what's channels? Right. Like I just search yeah. for like whatever Well, I they want. still call YouTube channels. They that's have, true. So that's... Right. That was really smart it's, on it's, YouTube. It's holding over there. But yeah, it is a weird word. It's like, you know, rotary telephones. Right. And stuff. Uh, but Rocco was on, I believe it was NBC. And like this is pre-Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Right? So like right. there's there's no food really on no. any of these big, net, big networks at the time. Right. Uh, and the show, the restaurant really sort of is like, uh, you know, again, one of these pioneering reality It was a veer. Uh, it was a, a hard veer off of what food TV had been. Right. right? So it wasn't just two people like Rocco's right. shows previous it wasn't cooking a, a delicious bowl of spaghetti. Right. It wasn't a straight to camera. Absolutely. Dump yeah. and stir straight to camera. You're just breaking it down. You're getting Ooh, really good in this putting those uh, lingo in the TV in world. <laughs> like you really know what's going on. Uh, but also at the same time that Rocco was doing this, you and I were working at a, um, a, another defunct restaurant in Atlanta <laughs> where, we, where we met. Yeah, y'all have them. Or, or sort of um, came together, yes. so to speak. 
And uh, we would watch that show like after service. It would yeah. be on at the TV in the restaurant in the bar area. Yeah. And a lot of people in the restaurant would were into that show. Yeah. And well, I think anytime you're in like a, a niche um, uh, market or, or a niche job like like working in restaurants and you get the chance to see your profession portrayed on TV, I think you tune in. Right? Very exciting. Right. Yeah. Where, um, and it's fact that it was like reality, right? So right. it wasn't yeah, like it was even like, watch this guy open a restaurant, watching the right? show chef, which by the way, we should go back and watch the old BBC mm. series chef, right. yeah. um, which was, um, scripted. Right. Yeah. So like it, it's, it's, uh, I, and we have friends who are doctors. Like I feel like when a doctor watches Grey's Anatomy, I'm sure they're like, Whoa, <laughs> that's not really how it works. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's sometimes with like the scripted stuff, it's easy to find that. But when you're watching it in a reality setting, which at that time I think was like, yeah, we're just going to literally turn these cameras on and whatever yeah. happens, happens. Not that it's different now, I, but I think maybe it is a little bit in, mm-hmm. a, in a soft scripted sort of way. Sure. Um, you got to watch Rocco open up this restaurant. You got to see him. Yeah. And this is something that I don't think we get into, but you get to see him fail mildly. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of restaurant work too, right? Even if it's just day to day, like, hey, this dish didn't work out. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, restaurants, you fail all the time, right? I mean. Exactly. And, but what was really interesting to me, and now this is actually happening to me on the fly as I'm thinking about it, is that I feel like the failure that I remember sort of like, wow, that's tense. The, the, the tension and the stress wasn't really about the meatball. Or the mm. food or even like, yeah, there was, I remember there was a lot of like employee and hiring drama, mm. but it was more about the idea of the chef becoming the celebrity. Could you argue that Rocco Spirito was like the first full blast celebrity chef on television? I think you could argue it. I think mm. there'd be people that would argue against you, you know, for, for the Bobby Flays or even Galloping Gourmet, if you want to go back farther, right. you know? Um, well, I'm going to blow your mind. There was a, sorry to jump in real quick, but there was an okay. old, if you YouTube, uh, there's an old Gordon Ramsay, like Gordon Ramsay's first, um, I think it's called Boiling Point. Like so everyone oh, go wow. find Boiling Point on YouTube, okay. which is really Gordon Ramsay's uh, introduction to the television world. I think there's actually two seasons or two parts of it. You're looking it up right now, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and it's got this really <laughs> interesting like Doctor Who open. It's incredibly BBC. British, yeah. Yeah, totally. it's incredibly British. And it just follows Gordon then when Gordon was just a, you know, hardcore, serious restaurant chef. And right. like really like running his team. Pretty much what it was was the precursor to Pretty, Hell's Kitchen. Right. Like you could see the outline was there. Exactly. Matter of <laughs> fact, I'm going to go watch that on a plane tomorrow. Okay. I think I'm going to download that. But Rocco was sort of America's version of that. Well, you know what's interesting? And um, it's, this is a little bit of a tangent. But we talked about this in Aspen. In that, like you said, we would, we would watch the show after service. We would talk about it in lineup. And it's crazy kind of coming full circle here. And like you have a relationship with Rocco now. Like we've meet all these people that we used to just like idolize. Right. Yes. yes. Like whether it's, it's, it's Rocco or Thomas Keller or, well, I guess you worked with him, but that doesn't count. But anyways, no, you know, but other people like, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's more. Yeah. Well, I just, listen, I just went for a run. Right. And on the run, I was doing some thinking you have me doing a lot of this meditation. We'll get into maybe at some point where we're doing this like whole life challenge. Uh And part of it is meditation. And I'm, I've been thinking a little bit more clear. Um, and I realized something about the podcast, you know, when people are like, well, what's the podcast about? It's like, oh, we bring in food people and celebrities and, but we don't really want to talk about food necessarily. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah. And I think that that's a weird, like you see it in music. I think you see it in other art forms for a long time. It wasn't really the case in cooking. There was a lot of like rivalry, even mm. as we're talking about Gordon Ramsay and Marco Pierre White comes to mind. Like right. there was a lot of rivalry and secrets and hidden things. Exactly. You're showing me a picture of Gordon Ramsay from Boiling Point, mm-hmm. which is like, he looks like an angry John Daly, perhaps. Right. Like a John Daly at his best, just yeah. to also be clear. Maybe. Like, yeah. um, who, uh, but it, yeah, he's looking. Look how mean he looks. looks right, so and that one photo—that's the precursor to Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. That one photo right there. Absolutely. And where he's banging his fist yeah. on the past. Can and I'm you sure do this more? Right. Can you <laughs> exactly. Say more. Can you F-words? do this, but yeah. for the whole hour right. of a show? <laughs> See this part where you got really mad? Just keep doing that. Yes, exactly. Well, that's right. what happens. And he's—I mean, I'm yeah. going to go back and watch it. Anyways, but you're that. a fan. We're yes. a fan, and like so, and that, yeah, we're hanging out with these people, and it's like, hey, dude, like I know we're friends. We do shows together, and like right. now we have a relationship with some of these people that come on the pod, and everyone who comes on the pod after it. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm just a fan, and Rocco's one of those where it's like I was a super fan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you think that makes you better, like in your profession? 
like being, I mean, I, I would assume like you would say yes to this, but like hmm. being a fan, does it make you better? Hmm. Of like someone else's work, basically. Is yeah. that what you see? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. in my younger Having days, idols, I don't know. in my younger days, I could literally argue this from many different sides. Well, mm. there's only two sides, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when you, and, and a lot of this comes from like cookbooks, right? A lot of young chefs like myself who are super obsessed start collecting, collecting cookbooks, right? right? Well, if you have, you know, 20 cookbooks from the world's greatest chefs and you start thumbing through the pages, naturally some of that is going to leak into your own work, right? Sure. Or if you're a band Osmosis, that listens right. to a lot of Beastie Boys, guess what? Sure. There's a chance that your, your music at some point is going to remind someone of the Beastie Boys, right? You're yeah. like yeah, <laughs> using no. that. Um, um, so I think that, you know, it is good because it always stretches your ability to learn different things. Um, but I think you have to be, but it's bad because what you, you don't want to fall into like, oh, I'm kind of doing this art because I saw it. Just I'm painting like this idolize, picture. Right. Right. Okay. right. Um, so I mean, I think that happened a lot. You had mentioned Thomas Keller. For someone like me or for a lot of the, the cooks who have worked in a system like that, you know, there's always this joke of sort of like you just become this blue aproned sort of robot. I mean, it's my joke. I don't yeah. know if anyone else has that. But <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, all you're doing is Bermonte and, you know, uh, poached lobster tails. Um, with a half of a fig next right. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you. You, you. it's really easy. Now, that might be what you really love, and that also might be your style, but it's it, it does get challenging. I, yeah. I don't think it hurts, but I think you have to be mindful of being that. I think Drake said it best Ooh. when he said, started from the bottom, now we hear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I made you speechless. Well, that's because like, I'm really, I've been into Drizzy lately. In food, we all know that the source indicates quality. It evokes craftsmanship and traditional old world values. The source reinforces the connection we have to each other and to the world. S. Pellegrino, bottled at the source in Bergamo, Italy since 1899, is a premium mineral water that's naturally filtered by the Italian Alps. That's why it's delicious. During this 30-year underground journey, minerals are absorbed as the water flows through geological formations to its source, creating a unique and refreshing taste. Man, I love saying geological formations. As chefs, we're meticulous about the ingredients we select for our menus. We insist on knowing the sources our food comes from and support farmers and suppliers who share our values, those we know and trust. Water, it's a crucial ingredient in any food and beverage experience. It often opens and closes the meal and can leave a lasting impression. In all my restaurants, I proudly serve S. Pellegrino, not only because of the taste and how it enhances the flavors of the food I serve, but because of the brand's relentless support of the culinary community just like they are doing right now on Starving for Attention by supporting us. Uh, as you gather around the table with family and friends all throughout the year, I encourage you to enhance your own meals by choosing S. Pellegrino. To find S. Pellegrino in your area and for some additional culinary inspiration, visit sanpellegrino.com. Rocco Despirito, big fan. Uh, that was a really good conversa- conversation. Yeah. And it was enlightening, it I gets, believe. It gets better. This, it does get better. Rocco Despirito is here, everyone. Enjoy. <laughs> Let me right over here, dude. I love everyone. Dude, I can't. Thank you for taking the time, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm happy we could finally do this. Yeah. Is this thing working? That's working. Yeah, you can do either or. Totally up to you. The oh, handheld is probably really yeah. cool. Ryan Seacrest headset. Nice. Not yeah. If you want, we, we're you know we're still working sort of working out. out our yeah. We're still working out our uh, budget and everything. Rocco Despirito, dude. Uh, I What's have to up, admit. Man? Nice hat. Th- <laughs> first of all, <laughs> nice, well, well played. Looks better on you than me. So generous of you. I'm wearing the Namwa Tea Parlor hat. Right. This is our buddy Wilson. Right. Yes, it's yeah. Wilson. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we were signing books yesterday, and, yep. and I um, complimented you on the hat, and uh, you gave it to me. In a moment of weakness, I was much more generous than I needed to be. <laughs> nice. yeah. uh, when are you flying out? Uh, flying out tomorrow morning. Okay. Seven to eight, something like that. Okay, so yeah. you're flying direct to New York? or No, through, through Denver to New York. I might finally catch my breath. Oh, there you go. We might be on the same, we might be on the same flight. Um, Are you going to New York as well? well no, we're, but to Denver at least. Okay, cool. We might, we so might 815. I'm surprised you're yeah. not on the, uh, you're not on the private. You know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I would really like to have gone home today. Uh, I will say this was the, actually, I don't know, this is our. Um, what was the, the story with that private? I, well, this was our seventh year here or something, and someone. this is the only year we've ever been asked to be on the, the plane. To fly commercial or fly private? To fly private. Oh, okay, got it. And we happened to, we were in New Jersey, and like we weren't able to get out here on Thursday, uh-huh. but I felt like that even like was a certain level. Like, like I was like asked to be on the plane, and we couldn't make it. It kind of sucked, but... Yeah. Um, you changed plans for private flight, man. 
I, I, that, that's true, but you know, I, I was doing a show where they were, you know, paying me as well. You so. had to work, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's that, right? There, there's that's that one a good thing. Topic for us to discuss off. Oh no, I mean, why does it have to be off? Well, let's well, get in. You never know. This right? might, this might actually get People into it. To this Here's the general theme. I'm not going to do what I usually do when I'm around you because one, I feel like it might genuinely embarrass you a little bit, but just kind of rave about how awesome you are and we saw Stephanie came on to our stage we watched the uh, first half of your show this morning oh cool thank you and like everyone kind of from our like you know from the the kids you were judging on like Top Chef from that season or you know uh, everyone just like admires you so much and you seem somewhat uncomfortable with like all of this like direct praise um, you know, I'm, I love praise. I'm not a comfortable praise at all. Uh, but I, I feel like um, this season four, uh, I don't know. I feel like there was a sense that I was a contentious judge. And so I, when you guys are complimentary, I'm like, are they for real? Because I'm pretty sure they thought I was an asshole judge. Um, and so what's the truth there? Oh, I mean, well, the, listen, any, anytime that this happens, <laughs> anytime you're talking to someone who, like, judged your food yeah, on a yeah. television show, if they had good things to say about your yeah, work, yeah, you yeah. love them and you right, think that they're course, great. And if they had anything negative to say, yeah. like, I, and, I, and it's, it's, it's nice now to be old enough to look back on that and be right. like, one of the only people who ever, like, really came down on me was Ming Tsai, okay. our buddy Ming yeah, Tsai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How amazing is Ming? And now yeah. he's a friend. Great guy. One of the, one of the greatest in the industry. Yeah. Uh-huh. But there was, like, at least probably a 365-day grudge that I had on Ming Tsai right. because, like, <laughs> there was a scale on a piece of salmon. That Dude, I have a small grudge against you for voting me out on, like, Triple G. Oh, First of all, six months ago. And I don't even know if that happened. Could that have even... Did did it happen? Oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. Jonathan Waxman apologized for it. You should too. I'm sorry, Rocco. I definitely apologize for it because you like showed up on the podcast. I had, I had a, there was this side of me that was like, you know, Rocco's too big time. He's not going to want to hang out on this podcast with us. No, I love... But now we're like, I feel like we're boys now. You gave me your hat, like off your head, pretty yeah, much. Like that—that's the level. Yeah. Um, here's the general topic yeah. of, of uh, the, the session today. Is, you have an agenda, you have a topic. I kind of have one, right. and like it's not. There's not. It's really just one one interview question, and like one thing that I want to talk about. We feel like you are the first, like, highly exposed celebrity chef, like mm-hmm. that launched this whole reality television thing for the culinary industry. Okay. And how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I think if you, if you look back, uh, you'll know that immediately Julia Child and Jacques Pepin and uh, the Galloping Gourmet really did the first reality TV when it comes to food. Galloping Gourmet is a really good example. This guy was unscripted, unedited, unfiltered, uncut. Now, this is Graham Carr, right? Was Graham, Graham Carr. Right. That's okay. what that we're talking like about, 60s and 70s. Direct to camera, right? Like, yeah, live to tape. Yep. So, but you were different than that. That wasn't what you did on TV, per se. No, no, I didn't do a live to tape cooking demo. No, I, <laughs> right. God, I wish I, I, I did. Um, what I did was a 60 to 1, you know, essentially nighttime soap opera about <laughs> opening a restaurant. Uh, I think it's called a, a, a nighttime soap or yeah. reality show. reality doc uh, or yeah. follow doc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting time. Um, it's funny because 10 years prior to that, I remember everyone asking... So you think this celebrity chef trend is going to continue to grow? It's like in 1989 now, right? Or 1995 or 98 or any of those times. And I was like, I'm not sure. I'm you know, just sort of tr- chilling, hanging in there, trying to run a great restaurant. And um, all of a sudden, these opportunities come your way. And it's really early, right? Right, yeah. For this whole thing. For, right, sort of, well, really, like, yeah, you're the pioneer. Yeah. You're the first. So yeah. they come up to you like, oh, yeah, Robert De Niro and Drew Newport. Uh, we're going to do this, but we'd like to do your restaurant because you, we caught you in the midst of an opening. And like, wow, okay, that sounds like a serious opportunity. And nice. Yeah. So this guy Ben Silverman, who's a legendary producer now, ran NBC for a while as co-chairman, uh, was the producer of that show, and that was one of his, you know, first big shows with Mark Burnett. Uh, and it was definitely an amazing experience. Was there any moment like when that was starting to happen uh, that you didn't want to do it or you were concerned about so doing I, it? I was conflicted the whole time because, mm. you know, I was running a three-star restaurant down the block and opening a new restaurant, an Italian restaurant that I've always wanted to do. And I was opening already before the, the show got involved. And now, this is Union Pacific. So I had Union Pacific, right. and I was opening Rocco's uh, with my mom. She was the executive chef. 
and I really wanted to just do my mom's food in a really cute, fun space. Right. And um, when NBC got involved, they asked us to accelerate so that we could be open by June, so they could shoot a certain period and, and uh, shoot in a, within a certain period of time over the summer, and then be able to air the following summer. Right. And that was this was really fast for broadcast TV, right? And and so we had to. I remember we had to invest a few more million dollars, do triple shifts of building. We got that place done in like three months. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Start eleven thousand square feet. That's start insane. to finish. So there was a lot of pressure. And so you know, opening restaurant is already on high pressure enough. When you own another one that's three stars, and you know you got to be there all the time. It's, there's a lot of pressure. So yeah, of course there were times where I thought. Well, they then add on the pressure of now we're going to follow you around with all these cameras, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the, the 18 crews, uh, we had hidden cameras everywhere. We had a whole uh, mirror, mirrored wall that was full of cameras. And I think there were literally 12 crews of three people walking around. Now, did you, have, did you have anything to say? Like, could you say, hey, we're not going to, I don't want to film this? Because what I do remember about it was yeah. I felt like we were just, we had just opened a restaurant up where I yeah. met Jasmine actually. Yeah. So like we were watching like, you know, finally when the, when the restaurant aired, mm-hmm. we were watching it sort of as we had just opened mm-hmm. up or we're opening up a restaurant. Yeah. Um, were there time, like could, could you, was it like absolute reality? Like you said, there's hidden cameras. Could you shut it down? So, were there things that... Being that, a veteran of reality TV yourself. Now, yes. I'm sure yeah. you and I can both agree yeah. that we probably don't know when we were able to control things and not control things. At that moment, right, yes. yeah. Yes. I, I can watch the show today and tell you that there are things I don't remember happening. Of course. I, I mean, I don't know what was real and what was manipulated because it was this you know, fantastic sort of Right, now that's, that's like when you say manipulated... Like, yeah. I mean, and again, this is like everyone knows that like, you know, there's an editing process and there, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing. I mean, and, and in our experience, I think we share the fact that I haven't really been around anything that's scripted per se, but that there's a and way. What we do is content scripted for those of you out there. Exactly. exactly. It's, but it's there considered is, unscripted television. Right. It's a but, whole division yes. in television. But there is, there is obviously context that can sort of make things seem perhaps a bit more dramatic or. Of course. Yeah, or yeah. or yeah. more glorious. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not interesting unless there are big moments, and you know, uh, kitchen caught on fire twice, you know. And, I, right. Yeah, right. it was you know crazy stuff. So yeah, and th- there were there were times uh, where I, I thought, you know, what's the cost, you know, to my other restaurant? What you know, how's my mom feeling? Uh, am I coming off well? Is the food good enough? Am I too distracted by other things? And this is you these know? are your feelings also in the moment of it. Yeah, right? yeah. So and of course, never having seen something like that. Right. You no idea what to expect. If you're on Top Chef season six, you know kind of know what to yeah, expect. That's true. Right? Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, and the, the, the odd thing there sort is of. you're surprised how much they don't kind of know what to. At this point, yeah. when you're, yeah. you know, twelve seasons, sixteen seasons yeah. in, yeah. it's surprising how um, untrained some people are when they're in front of a camera after having watched a bunch of it. Yeah, well, it's, you know, you don't learn how to be a great TV personality by watching TV, just like you don't learn how to be a great restaurateur by eating out, you right. know, and, yeah. or a great writer by reading. A lot of people have these sort of fictional things going on in their head where they believe, oh, I, I eat in great restaurants, I can become a chef. Um, so I think learning to be yourself on television is an extremely difficult skill. Right. Which you probably understand. Uh, and I'm trying. Well, I'm us, still always <laughs> always trying to figure out who I am. So that, that, yeah. that makes yeah. it a little bit more interesting when you don't really know uh, what your final sort of character is. For I remember sure. in the restaurant with that the moment where they captured you sort of like, I mean, I don't, you said you don't remember some of the stuff. Uh, like looking into the going to the bathroom and like sort of having that moment like right before like it's opening for the first time. Oh, right? the like, dun dun. Right. That moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah there were a few of those. Uh, which I yeah. think was really well played. Like I remember watching it and yeah. be like, yeah, that's you look in the mirror, you splash water in your face, you yeah. almost throw up, whatever it is. Right. Um, and I'm just always curious because I have not really, we've done a little follow doc stuff. So when that moment's happening, you know, are you like, hey, I'm, you know, this is, you know, I'm going to get freshened up for the, you know, to meet um, these first guests. And then they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, really? Can we can we take some cameras into the bathroom? So with you? From, from my memory, they were always following all of us at all times, especially when you're in the restaurant. So I'm probably uh, probably was the case where I was going to the bathroom and they were like, are you going to the bathroom to wash your face? What are you doing? How are you right, feeling? Right, right. And I probably said something like, I just want to wash my face. You know, we're about to open. And they, and they probably said something like, okay, let's shoot that. You know? Nice. Yeah. But no, I I mean, no, the camera was in the bathroom, right? So it had to be predetermined. Cameras don't just suddenly appear in bathrooms. Right, of course. So, right. of course, it was predetermined. 
by the nature of the physics of the situation. Yes, you always know, yeah. too, here's a little tip, and this just might be good for our listeners. You always know if something was kind of also set up when there's a camera showing the door open. <laughs> exactly. because, right, because it means that there's, that yeah, there's two cameras yeah, yeah. that have been positioned behind these, these, these doors to sort of show the entrance or the exit or whatever it is. But the question and the answer goes back to the uh, basics of reality TV. I don't think the subjects ever know what they're doing uh, with intention or not. You know, right. you sort of, um, you're on the set, it's hot everywhere, there are cameras mm-hmm. everywhere, and... You know, there are customers who came in and said hello to me and, and pretended to do things that were setups. You know, I didn't yeah, know at the time. Right. And, yeah. uh, there were reviewers that came in who, you know, were like the gossip columnists of the, of the paper, never reviewed a restaurant, but it became a review on the show because Ooh, it had wow. to be, you know. And you had no idea that this that sort of thing was getting no, going there, right? No, yeah. A lot, a lot of it. Well, I guess that's what, what's interesting, too, again, because this is like one of the first, if not the first, sort of like, you know, behind the scenes in the restaurant world. And when you say when you're on a reality show, you don't know what's happening. But, you know, the answer is, like you just said about, like, a, a Top Chef, like, now you've seen so much Real Housewives, you right. do know, like, right. oh, we're going to shoot a scene where we're all having dinner. Right, right. And, and, two and someone's th- going to flip a table. Right. And, and someone's going to get drunk. Two of yeah. us are about to have beef. So, yeah. like, how, how dramatic should I act? Right. Um, but that's a very savvy way to look at it. I don't think the average person listening thinks that way. Right. We may think that way because we're lunatics now uh, <laughs> after having right. done so much right. television. Right? Well, I you think wa- so. You yeah. want to be a good subject when you're on TV, as do I. So, like, when we're shooting even Triple G, we're both thinking, how do I be how, how do I be a great judge in this moment? You know, how do I make sure that we have something they can use, right? That, yeah, you're you're trying to do your job. Yeah, yeah. You're more familiar with the DNA of a TV show. Yeah, so you know exactly. What's, yeah, what have, you ever, have you ever seen the, uh, it was somewhat recent, too, there's a Will Ferrell SNL skit where uh-huh. he's, like, a husband of a real housewife. <laughs> And they're going, and it's like Definitely it's like the Real Housewives yeah. of like Central Valley, California. It's like there's something like that. Yeah, and they they just go back to visit their. Neighbors. He goes back to visit yes, like I the remember. friends they grew yes, up yes, with, right? They, they and he comes in and he's super nice. Yeah, he's got a little dog. Yeah, yeah. He's got a face and then, lift. And, and, yeah, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's just like, "You bitch!" and like splashes water in someone's face. Um, can we can we bring this crew this crew right. in? Right. Sorry guys, exactly. we brought a crew with us. Exactly. And just turns yeah. it on and off. Well, you know what's interesting? That's now? a different level, though. So at, you know, at minimum, we knew that most of the stuff was happening in the restaurant and in my office. Uh, when you're a housewife, uh, I've been on those sets and had some friends participate in the show, and they're they're like everywhere all the time. So right. that's even tougher. But I do I do want to say that I do think one of the great things that came out of that show was the per- permission for more shows like that to populate the TV landscape. And I think Top Chef is a really good example of one of those right. that was really designed beautifully from the beginning yeah. with enough formatting and enough reality to make it interesting and compelling without each of you having to sort of give a pound of flesh, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't you, know if you feel that way. No, I, I do. Yeah. I mean, again, we, I mean, I think everyone who comes, you know, every show that comes before, every personality that comes before you, you know, is making the path a little easier. Yeah. Right. Um, and you're learning from from their experiences. You know, you but were I mean, also. Do you, feel, do you feel you were? Did you have to give a pound of flesh on Top Chef? I mean, you worked uh, hard on Top Chef, right? A hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you, also, you're, anytime you're going to something new without yeah. that experience, also, right? Like, you don't know how the the game works, per se. And right. when I say the game, I mean life, really, right? right? Or how you navigate the business side of things. Yeah. Um, so I think you do capture that reality. Hey everyone, if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home your own home or someone else's home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car that you want. And your certified dealer knows this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Okay, everyone, listen, if you like our show, Starving for Attention, you're going to love Don't Be Tardy with Kim Zolziak-Bierman. Kim's done it all from motherhood to music. 
music to the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Join Kim each week as she talks with her husband, Croy, and her amazing family and friends. Listen to Don't Be Tardy on Podcast One, podcastone.com, and Apple Podcasts. Also remember to rate and review. Remember that one time on uh, Real Housewives where Kim Zolciak didn't know what guacamole was? Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Because you were one of the first people that do it, how tough was it for you personally to deal with the like, oh no, now here's this guy and he's on TV. Now here's Rocco, the chef who thinks he's a, uh, or who is a television star. There were some surprising reactions that, you know, made me feel good, hurt my feelings, and everything in between. Because you had yeah. to deal with that, like, that, you had to deal with the first wave of that, right? This yeah, idea yeah, yeah. of that success is selling out. I feel like you probably had yes. to shoulder or, or a that, lot of it. Or that you're playing a chef on TV, that you're not, you know, like... Yes, just, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So I think, I, I do think that uh, enough people watched the, watched the show that didn't know me or my career and were able to easily sort of do the math and say, oh, he's a TV chef and... Um, it was confusing at times. Uh, yeah, you now might have I been. Sort of looking back, I, get, I totally get it and understand right. why people would be confused. In hindsight, in yeah. retrospect. Because it's not like they could Google me and there would be thousands of pages of material on me in 2002. Right. right. It just wasn't possible back then. Right. You know, or right. look well, up social media posts right. or anything. So they had nothing to go on but what they saw, right? And uh, Well, but, but yeah. I mean, and, but at in the end of the day, it's just haters. Because you could find that you were running a, a well reviewed, amazing. You know, modern restaurant in could, the hardest culinary work. city. It, it wasn't like 39 seconds on Google. It, right. You, know, you had to ask right. people. And yeah. that's that's you know, true. There was that's Google true. back then. It just wasn't as alive and dynamic. I think it was it like microfiche now. back then, right? That's just the yeah. library. No, black that black. But yeah, I do remember microfiche. <laughs> I still feel like 2002 I can't was you not. You know what that is? Yeah, I, 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 I totally forgot about that until you just mentioned it. But now I have like I have like a flashback to like yeah my high school library. But so that, that experience, did you right away, like, just know that you wanted to continue doing TV? Did you take a break? Did you think, like, this isn't for me? Or so that were was, you, you in know, it? that wasn't my first TV show. I'd been on Food Network since 98. Uh, and I remember, I mean, you also had the show with Melting Padma, Pod. right? You, you, Padma, you had, you had, you had episodes with different yep, personalities. Right, yeah, all those guys, yeah. That Michael was, was on. Michael Simon was on that. Pat Lakshmi was on that. Cat Cora was on that. So that kind of even yeah, makes yeah. though like the reality stuff more interesting because you were doing you you had experience yeah, we with the direct to camera. Let's do a right. recipe. That's right. Yeah. We're gonna get a swap out perhaps for yeah. this. Um, Dump and stir shows. I'm gonna open the and oven. Then we did that some sort shot. of uh, you know borderline reality shows in my country, my kitchen, where we travel and we do travel dot you know dialogue and documentary styles and stuff. Um, that was more fun and always much much easier to do because you'd go to Italy and like watch them, you know, hit olive trees and make olive oil. All you had to do was document what you right. were seeing. And it yeah. was and because you're a chef and curious, you know, it's kind of easy to just be like, oh, what is happening here? Right. right? This is I want and to you're learn tasting about everything this. and not disgusted by what you're seeing. Like the did, did you ever feel um, that you had to make a decision to be to go from chef to you know uh, media personality? Or do like yeah, so I, you know back then we all had a we all struggled with how much time do you spend on your craft and how much time do you spend marketing your craft? Right? Now you say back then because I'm still like I mean I st- I'm st- I still struggle with it every day pretty much. But there was a time where there was no struggle because there was no media right. available. Okay. You know, chefs did not were not up up front and out in the public eye. There were no media choices or options. Maybe you got a review or. Uh, you know, the greatest chefs got a New York Times profile once in their lifetime, right? Right. Um, but in the late 90s, early 2000s, when there was a massive diaspora of chefs and every city in the country had great restaurants, and all of a sudden there was so much competition, and you couldn't be the greatest restaurant in your city, and that would be enough, you had to begin marketing your product, right? And I remember talking to Tom Clickio about it back then. Uh, you know, it was a struggle. How, how much do you... How much of your resources do you spend making your working on your craft and working on your product and making that as good as can be? And then how much? But how much of that time do you spend telling people about it? Because they may not know about it, right? You, unless you market yourself. But what and was, that was the beginning of self? Because back then, that's kind of pre-Tom Colicchio television. Tom Colicchio. It is, yeah. right? But, yeah, but he also, you know, was a very famous chef back then. Oh, very famous, yeah, as yeah, absolutely yeah. as chef. Yeah, but I'm chef saying he's not Tavern, the head has, judge of Top Chef. So back then, our struggles were, you know, what food festivals do we go to right. now everyone just goes to every festival back then you had to sort of say well I, i'm going to be off the line for three nights 
if I go do the food and wine app. So I'm going to miss six services. Can I do that? Is that that, you were struggling with this? And and we're blessed, you know, like my generation or like currently we're blessed because you were probably had to deal with like, oh, where's Rocco tonight? I came to see Rocco. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of chefs of that era had to deal with that uh, because we were. You know, our menus were personality driven. They were based on what we loved and were inspired by. Uh, we didn't say we did this kind of cuisine. It was the beginning of Jean Georges cuisine, Tom Colicchio cuisine. Everyone oh. had their own cuisine. It was the that beginning was of the, au- the author. You were coming there because exactly. of the author, not just yeah. because it was Italian food or because but it was French food. Just a few years earlier, you know, it was the you know the great French restaurants and the French cuisine and the great Italian restaurants and the Italian cuisine, and it was very neatly packaged in a nice box and easy to define. So if you were going to a great French restaurant like La Grenouille for French food, mm-hmm. and if the chef wasn't there, you may or may not know about it, and it may not matter, right? Because they've been doing the same menu for 20 years, and it's right. perfect every time. And, right. Yeah. But then when you're you know, doing the restaurant, and uh, you're, people, are at, uh, people are coming to one of your restaurants, and they're like, is Rocco here? And you're like, no, he's in, he's in Aspen this weekend. <laughs> right. Or he's filming his yeah. television show. So, so, then, yeah. it paint, and then all of a sudden it affects their view of the restaurant. Back then it really did, I feel like. Yeah, so I think that today's landscape is completely different. I don't think there's this absolute expectation that the, quote, chef personality who formed the restaurant should be there every night. I think it's, it's, it's very different now. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, a matter of yeah. fact, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost 100% flipped. Like, yeah. people, right. when I'm in my restaurant, right. people are like, oh, my They're God. They're delightfully right. surprised, right? I'm so surprised you're here. Well, I just looked at your Instagram stories, and you and were in, in New York, or whatever it is for us. And it kind of works the, the opposite yeah. way now. It's like, yeah, I just I woke up in New York, but now I'm in L.A., <laughs> and look how much I like. Like, this yeah. is great. Like, I flew all the way over here for you. But I'm glad that people get that. And and this is really, you know, besides just how great you are, like, saying thank you to you, too, because like you fought all of these battles, not just, like, the idea of, like, the chef becoming a personality um also the chef as you kind of you barely touched on it the chef having to work with their business partners to come up with that understanding i'm not going to be here every night did you, i mean and we don't have to get into it if you don't want but like i mean marcus has sort of documented it pretty profoundly like uh, tom colicchio has as well like that wasn't that's not an easy conversation i mean for any of us even now yeah, not, not only because of your business partner's expectation, but be your own expectations for yourself and your cuisine. Union Pacific uh, was, you know, my third restaurant as chef and my first as a partner, and I knew it was better for the restaurant if I was there, which is why I did six services a week right. on the line, you know, and I built a kitchen that literally surrounded me so I could touch every plate and plate every plate and taste every plate that went out. They call it the box. I literally had Garmerger on one side, the hotline on the other, and the waiters on the other. So I was surrounded on three sides. Nice. So I the, built pa- it the that pass way. So was I, the box? Yeah, so the box? I could be in the, right in the, you know, the crossroads and check everything because I was so insane about that. Um, and I sent back lots of food and replated lots of things and... That's what I thought was the right thing to do back then. And it probably, you know, listen, it was a good thing to produce great food. But if I wasn't in the box, it was different. Right. And I, dis- I was disappointed in myself when I couldn't be in the box. And right. plus, I loved doing it. You know, I'd finish every risotto and plate it. I'd finish cold food and plate it. If there were tasting menus, I'd orchestrate those menus. It was, it was like having your own one-man show on Broadway. It was amazing. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now. I'd give anything to transport myself back to that box for a moment, you know. Um, so it was not just your business partner. Uh, in fact, my business partners at the time were, you know, awake enough to know that I'd be burned out pretty quickly if I continued like that. And they suggested <laughs> to take some time off. And, uh, but there was definitely some, some conflict about how much time do you spend, again, working on the craft and marketing your craft. And that's a struggle that we all face today, back then. Every artist who sure. wants to be a famous artist will ever struggle. And then you go, uh, and then I, one of the uh, a big transition for you too was then sort of becoming, you know, Rocco and now the superstar chef, you know, superstar television personality. And then you're, you, you become this amazing author as well, which is like, I mean, I, Thank I, you. and your show this morning, that, by the way, your accolades are ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. It's like, I mean, no, it's like all sorts of, I don't, I don't even know, you're like a, whatever the equivalent of like a five-star general is in the <laughs> yeah. culinary world, that's you. I mean, like yeah. you could just sit there and read AKA your accomplishments. Old. Just been around a long time. Uh, I was lucky enough to start extremely young. I was 16 when I decided to go to the Culinary Institute of America um, because of my desire to get into cooking as fast as possible when it finally hit me at 14 that this was going to be my career. I accelerated through high school, I accelerated through college, I 
did two years in France, came back and did a four-year degree in two years. I oh, so you like kind of you're also like Doogie Howser this thing. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Doogie Howser was Neil Patrick Harris as a young teenage doctor. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I was in college at 16, it, wow. completely by by choice, in order to get to being a chef. Fast as possible yeah. because I was so struck and so. Is that something they consumed. did commonly, or did you have to get special exception to, to get in there at that uh, age? Or I didn't have to get special exception, but back then you did have to have sixteen hundred hours of documented work and a letter of recommendation. So right. well, it did take a little time, and I knew it was going to take a little time. So um, so I I just accelerated everything so that I could get the, that ten years of minimum experience that you need before you can be a chef. In right. Before I did it, so. By 31-something, uh, when I opened Union Pacific, I felt pretty ready. You know, you never are 100% ready. You would love to go back and do a million trails and right. massages and work for 10 more great guys. But but there's you know, something said to just kind of also like the startup sort of mentality. Just get out there and do it. Get out, yeah, you know, get your yeah, work out yeah. in the world, and we'll figure out all the other things. But let's, not, let's not confuse that for being unprepared, right? Because there is, 100%. there's also yeah. that side of it, right? right. So I, I think the entrepreneurial spirit is wonderful, and if you feel like you can go out there and get it done, understand that, you know, nine out of ten times you're not going to get it done, and you're going to have to fail and fail fast to learn, and that's a good process too. You know, there's right. nothing wrong with that process. Failing is equals learning and, and growing up and maturing. And tell uh, me about I it. Just, I yeah. just hope you fail fast when you fail, right? So right. you know immediately what what's wrong and what you need to change, so you can pivot, and, pivot, yeah, pivot, get pivot. Back up. Well, how, how did you pivot then? Uh, to the author, author, to the author, so, and then also more that the, the, the healthy food. Okay, author. so the irony of that is that I was an author while shooting the restaurant already. Right. My first book, I wrote my first book. Took me three years, called Flavor, and night from 1998 to 2000ish, and it published 2001 or two, if I can remember correctly. And um, after the first season. We were told there was not going to be a season two, and then three weeks before they shoot the season two, which also happened at time with my book launch, right. my book tour, which was pretty extensive, right, um, right. and my editor, poor, poor William Schwalbe from uh, uh, Hyperion, had a deal with me saying, so you know that six-week book tour that we've been planning for three years? Right. Well, we're going to have to cut that to like a week now, because NBC said we're shooting exactly at the same time and they thought I should just cancel my book tour right. and this book was you know a labor of love I spent years yeah. and years upon years working on it shooting in the basement of the restaurant we shot 10,000 photos or something like that old fashioned style Polaroid you know oh, wow. shake okay. it like a Polaroid picture. Right. Yeah, in the basement so um so the season two, where everyone says, "Where's Rocco?" I was yeah. on book tour. <laughs> right. I was on, I was at the CIA doing a commencement speech. I was in. Right. You know, but they don't. I, from what I remember, then obviously they're not. They're not covering that part no. of it, right? Okay. No, right. No, no, no. But that would have been even more drama, I yeah. think, because that's actually. Uh, this is now totally going sideways, but like you know what it's people. Okay, that's what a you know what people haven't covered is they haven't covered that the life of the celebrity chef, and the follow. Because imagine like if you had done that follow doc now. For any of us, really, right? And you're in all of these cities. You're traveling all over the place. You have a book. You have a restaurant. You have a television show. You have a number of personal appearances. You're working with all these brands. Oh my gosh, I'm getting, I'm exhausted. Just you know, yeah. talking Reciting about the other list. Yeah. And no one's really documented. Like no one's really covered that. You know, it's true. We, right? we should do. Maybe we should do that. Maybe that's. Yeah, what we're doing. A new, new I think we are right, right yeah, here yeah. on Stopping for Attention. So I was an author back then, yeah. and um, I love the process so much. And going out to book signings, of course, as you know, is amazing. You get to meet people who haven't been to your restaurant necessarily who appreciate your work. It's a whole new gigantic audience of people who can appreciate your work without having to come to New York. Um, and so I I thought, great, let me do this again. And I wrote Rock is Italian American and I thought, great, let me do this again. You know, I just love the experience. Well, that's amazing because, well, first yeah. of all, you, you can't just say, oh, great, let me do it again. Someone has to say, I'll, I'll, I'll publish the book for you, right? Yeah, so, I mean, you're saying it like it's really easy. That's never easy, right? Yeah, as someone who has two books and would love to, you know, get someone to do a third right we now. We talked about that, man. Your, your next I, book is an easy one. Slam dunk. Well, we're going to get you on the phone with some people. Because, <laughs> like, I'm, 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 trust me, we've been, talking, we've been talking about it. Well, what, okay, but well, how, so don't, let's talk don't about... Don't shush me. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to shush me and read your here, guys. <laughs> Listen, I mean, if, uh, health and fitness is a little bit part of my world, too. A people. little bit? You, you went, uh, we, we've lost 100 pounds or something Seemingly close. I mean, I haven't. I don't think I've said 100. I think I've said 80 we, before. We still, We've never really died. Somewhere between himself, 65 so, yeah. to 80 for sure. You should be extremely proud of that. We, we are. Well, how did, but how did you, so how did you then get into the whole Probably the, the same fitness. way you did. I, I, you were uh, never like that. You were never out of shape. I never saw you. 40, 20. 8% body fat. Right. Yeah, well, you had that like New Yorker. I think we talked about that on set one day. You had yeah, that yeah. sort of just like, it was a, 
You, you, you were a thin like New Guido Yorker. Swagger. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big guy, yeah. but you like that, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah, right? Big muscles and look at my but, pecs. But, but, but was there a moment that like transitioned yeah, you? Yeah, probably to... the same moment that you had with your doctor. I don't know if it was a doctor who... It, no, who, what, you know, it was, what was your I mentioned you. Mine was yeah. my, my wife. Okay, like, yeah, good. Yeah, so I'm, I'm courting Jasmine. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, we go for a run one day. Uh-huh. And she, we're running for like maybe not even two miles. And like, not you know, even. a quarter of a mile in, she just takes off on me and is like, Relentless. It doesn't to be wait honest, for me. I didn't take off. I just continued. Running. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You just stayed run. at seven minutes, and right. he, he, he dropped out to dropped twelve out. Yeah. or fifteen. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And uh, I think that started it, and then we some made some yeah. lifestyle decisions. And so I had a bunch of moments like that. I mean, uh, uh, there was a confluence of events in uh, in and around two thousand three to five, two thousand three to two thousand five. Uh, one, the Biggest Loser, starting Ben Silverman, who produced. The restaurant also produced that show and asked me to come on there and te- talk about how to prepare healthy food. I, I'd already started playing with it. Two, my chiropractor, who has been keeping me standing erect for years, told me he needed help with a charity. And he said, will you come do this charity? I said, no problem, fine. Uh, and then eight months later, he's like, so you ready for the triathlon? I was like, what triathlon? He's like, the one, the charity you promised. I was like, oh, no. that's a mean trick. <laughs> that is. I was like, I'm ready to serve 500 forces of short yeah. ribs, but I can't even walk a mile, much less run a mile. It was just a sprint triathlon. Nevertheless, uh, I said, got to do this. He said, got to do this. And so I was on his team, and he had a charity team. I finished it. I was second to last, which means the Athena group, this is women over 60, like destroyed me, basically. Uh, I remember them very clearly passing me in the water. Yeah. Uh, so oh, wow. if you know yeah. about triathlons, you know that they're, uh, the way you're, you start in waves, and yeah. it's all by age. And the Athena group, women over 60, are usually one of the last groups to go into the water. So if you're in my group, which is male, you know, 30 to whatever, I was probably six or seven waves before them. And I remember them flying by me in the right. water. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And it's in a, in a 900 meter swim. This is not a big swim. <laughs> right. So that was my first experience with uh, humility and triathlons, but I finished and it made me feel so good. And at the same time, my doctor had been telling me for months, your health is declining. You really need to do something about it. Your family history is terrible. My, both my parents died of heart disease. You know, um, you're going to take 20 years off your life if you don't listen. Uh, and I didn't pay attention, didn't pay attention. And then one day my blood work came back and he's like, this is, you just have to do something different. Otherwise, here, take all these medicines right. and good luck. Yep. And I don't know what happened that day in the office. I just thought, okay, let me try the other thing and see what happens. And I was already training for this triathlon. And so that all led me down this path where I was training for now an Ironman. Right. And I sh- so I should say 70.3 for you, Iron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Ironman 70.3. You're going to get emails. Not a full Ironman. There's <laughs> right. a big distinction. It's only half, which means it's only uh, 70.3 miles instead of 100. Yeah, and that makes it seem so That easy. makes it so much easier. <laughs> uh, so I started training for an Ironman, and uh, my trainers and everyone I was working with we're eating Iron Man food, which is shakes and bars, shakes and bars, shakes and bars and bananas. And I just couldn't deal with that. So I started to just make my food that I loved healthier and healthier. So you saw there was an empty, I mean, from the business perspective, did you just notice, hey, there's an empty space in the market? No, I wasn't thinking of business not at all. all. No, okay. no, you just no, wanted to, you were just training yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just trying to, you know, finish uh, a 70.3. Right. And you have to eat so many more calories. So it is a bit conflicting because I was trying to lose weight. And now when you're training, you have to consume five, 6,000 calories a day because you're working out all the time. You're doing six to eight hours a day of bike swimming and running, you know, swim, yeah. bike, run, swim, yeah. bike, run, um, SBR. And uh, so I just started to make the pastas that I love healthier, a little cleaner. I'd get rid of some of the crappy carbs and replace them with better carbs. And a couple of years later and a triathlon later, um, I started to pitch Now Eat This, which was my first healthy book. Uh, that took several years, by the way, because no one wanted it. That's insane, though. No, one, no really? No, they, and they said, you're the flavor guy. You can't right. do a healthy book. First of all, no one cares about healthy. Yeah. And, oh, wow. Like, wow. your audience is, thinks of you as the indulgent flavor dude. Wow, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's so, kind of similar to the, I, I won't put our agent on blast completely, but, like, that's a similar comment that we're getting. Just Yeah, you're the weird science guy. You're, you're yeah, the liquid you're nitrogen guy. You're not, you're not the fitness guy. Yeah. You're Rocco's the fitness but it's guy. Like, <laughs> See, now now Isn't you're that the crazy. Oh, it is crazy. But now though, I mean, are you comfortable with that? Like being yeah, like the health and fitness that. guy? Yeah, yeah. So it, t- it turned out to be the greatest thing ever. Well, and it came and from a super authentic place. Absolutely, too, right? absolutely. I mean, just yeah. as authentic as the flavor part of you, right? Yeah, so yeah. yeah. 
I think we're going to have to follow this up with another podcast app sure. that delves sure. straight into the health and fitness. Your batteries are more angle. No, we're, we're going to be good. Uh, but we, but we're going to get, we're going to get to. Uh, we usually play a fun game near the uh, oh, end of the I love podcast. Fun, unexpected. And this one we're calling Rocco or Rockno, <laughs> right? So like, yeah. <laughs> See, Rocco knows the air horns. Everyone, uh, these are just I know, things you're into because of the commercial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there you go. That's right. what is that animal? That, that's right. So there's a I forget what it is, but it's, it's like it's a, a car insurance commercial or something like that. And, and there is, and it's like, hey everyone, yeah. say hello to my pet chinchilla. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hi Rocco. Say hi Rocco. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that might have been actually where it started. It so Rocco means you're down with it. Rocco obviously means you're not. You're not game for it. We're gonna start simple. We're here in uh, Aspen at the Saint Regis Hotel actually. So you want enough. me to recite my name and then recite my name with a, a little? No, no, you don't have to. No, you can just be like. I can just say yes or no. You can just be like, yeah, yes or no. It's fine. O is yes. So food festivals in general. Yes, absolutely. Okay, you're down. Easy. Not even. Uh, a, not no, even. That was I mean, a simple one. Have you seen one. me at? Of course, I'm down. A lot. Yes. Okay. Festivals. Although you Great said. Way to this, with although this morning you said you've been to 20 of these Aspens, and that's hard to believe because you 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 you're you're young. Dude. I I, I, you, I was a best chef in 1999, so I've been coming here since 1999. Wow. And, that is insane. Uh, I haven't done 20 in a row, but. Yeah. Okay, um, food demonstrations or live shows like we yes, got to see hell yours. Yes. Nice, you liked it. Hell yes. I was a little Love worried it. for you this morning. Your, your, the open so was great, dead. but when you, you you almost like there was the, the little <laughs> CPR, the, the little the CPR oxygen, moment. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. I thought maybe you had a plant in the audience, and then I realized it I wasn't a plant. I thought I had a plant in the audience. Too, <laughs> okay. They didn't know they <laughs> were the plant. Yeah. Nice. Oh. Fair, fair. Now that makes a lot of sense. Is that but, a true? Okay, that's amazing. So here's the thing. When Stephanie Izard and I decided we would try to do something fun. By the way, this has been done a million times before. Right. I remember when we told Devin, he's like, oh, God, that thing? Okay, well, okay. here's how we do it. Right. He's like, you got to run. I'm like, run? Why yeah. can't I just walk? He's like, no, because, you know, then the audience won't have a host for a long time, so... I've been out of breath since I got here on Wednesday. Right. I don't know about you, but... Um, I have. Yeah, these steps are killing rough. me. It's been really rough this year. I think the combination of pollen, wildfires, and uh, low low oxygen levels is getting all of us. Anyway, so I, I, that was basically improv, and this is how much I love cooking demos. You can, If you're you know alive and feeling the moment, you can improv a lot, which you know very well. You're amazing at it, as I've seen from your demos. Uh, I thought if I if I pretend to pass out and ask for CPR, that'll buy me buy some time. two minutes <laughs> yeah. to catch my breath. Nice. I didn't catch my breath until the end of the demo. Yeah, it, 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 that was, it was a great open. I'm going to steal that, by the way. Okay, here we go. Uh, so you're down with that. What about Chef Collaboration Dinners? I know you did one last course, night. Yes, yes, so you're just absolutely. down with all the stuff. Yes, Rocco, yes. for everything. Well, ask me something different. We're going to get it here. We're going to get into it. Okay, uh, squeeze bottles. Of course. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We're going to – it's a good yes. – uh, tweezers. Yes. Wow. Yes. Were you at my demo? I was at your demo. You the cake testers and the tweezers, actually. Like that. Okay, well, this is my, I told you when we wrote some of these up to this might be a clear uh, sweep across the board. Uh, plant-based foods. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is where it's going to get a little, it'll get a little bit. How about uh, intermittent all about intermittent fasting? Fasting, all about it. Really? Okay, yeah. so that's... Read my book, Pound a Day Diets, all okay. about intermittent. Are you talking about metabolic fasting or fasting... Intermittent fasting could be many things. Are you talking about well, like uh, eating five, two days and not like, eating yeah, a like day? Yeah, like a five-two, right? I don't, yeah. need, I don't think... One needs to go to that extreme. It's just yeah. another form of calorie correcting. Yeah. It's just a way to trick you into calorie correcting. Oh, it's, wow. It's okay. extreme for me. I'd rather just be on a better balance. Well, then the follow-up to that. I think some people can perform on that. I think some people can perform yeah. well on a 5-2. I'm not one of those people, but right. I, I think some people can yeah. do Yeah, I, mean, I, I think you should never fast. You should just you should eat more of the healthy stuff and not less. Okay, uh, so, here, more healthy food so, so you should never fast. So the next one then, and this is, I haven't even told you, I've started looking at. So then, unless you're getting, uh, you know, so then scope the next day. Dry fasting. Dry fasting? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Okay, is I just started looking at nothing. No food, no water for 24 to 48 hours. Oh, okay. Hours. I thought you meant... Uh, yeah. So, so when you say intermittent fasting, you're saying... No, intermittent well, fasting, you're, yeah. you're saying just no. be careful, no, but there's some... It's, it's a way to sort of correct. I'm not a fan of fasting, I think. Right. So then dry fasting, that, then, which is nothing for... Now that my parents... Uh, my, my family came to America and fought not to starve. Right. And built yes. a life for us. Oh, see, I yeah. like that. So, like that. Yeah. That's yeah. almost grew up um, starving in, in the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties in Italy, right? Well I mean, said. So that's right. it's a social. Like the, your your answer to that. Oh, Besides being healthy, it might be dangerous, yeah, but that's a, a social. It um, does work though. If you try to lose weight and you and you do not eat for a day, you will lose weight because you're cutting calories. Yeah, because I was looking at you know, fourteen pounds a day, but we'll talk about that uh, in two days. Okay, how about this one? Uh, coffee enema. Rocco, no. <laughs> Rock, no. All right, there we go. So Although just... I do love Robin and Howard, and Robin uh, seems to love the coffee enema, so it's working for some people. Yeah, there you go. Okay, um, CrossFit. 
Big fan. Really? Okay, big nice. Fan. So, my, like, my spinal cord is not a big fan of it. No, but yeah. yeah Fair I'm enough. a big fan. Fair it enough. was very effective. You know who's my got clients yeah. who do my my diet plus CrossFit, CrossFit get into the best shape of their lives in like a month. Yeah. Um, you know who's big CrossFit? Antonia LaFaso. Yes. I and do. she went from like just like you know kind of like you know normal looking. It's like super strong now. Like yes. I mean, yeah. she could She's like in, pick me up yeah. and throw me. She's, She's very like, serious about her health now, which is great. Super yeah. superhero. Okay. Um, what about uh, psilocybins? Psilocybin. Last time I tried psilocybin, <laughs> I believe I was under 21, and I think that was enough for me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I because I on the side of the LAE. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Familiar? Yeah, a little, little, strong island, little strong island reference. And like literally go to sleep on the side of the road because I was <laughs> so tripping. Jasmine's been doing a lot of research. Um, well, she feels like this might be le- uh, slipping into the sort of health and well, fitness world. Coming, there's a big wave. There's yeah. a big wave of it coming back now, especially with mental health and applications in that in that arena. So it's it's an interesting space to be in right now. There's lots of like uh, Silicon Valley guys that do micro dosing for like yeah. creative bursts and, and focus so it's getting that. a little joe rogan now um, i don't know what that means okay um but so we're so you joe might rogan? you might be um okay. um you might be into it then if there's some health fitness angle but not really you're just, so i would say rock i would say you use cbd where right. you'd use yeah, yeah. you know psychedelics so um, yeah. um so what about meditation rocco so rocco i'm a big fan of meditation not a huge practice Practice or meditation. You and I both. I love the idea of it, and I just never can. Uh, you have yeah. you try. What a really surprise! Hard. You and I both can't yeah. slow down for two seconds. I know it's it. what it is, and I um, we're so, nut jobs. Don't right. you understand? That, that? This is true. So it's we a rock. Are, a rock. Our minds are racing constantly. We yeah. I've actually gone to Esalen and taken meditation yeah. yoga right. yoga courses because. I did a five-day yoga seminar. It's called Yoga for the Yoga Glee Challenge, and I loved it. And like, I, I was transported to, to space and beyond simply with guided meditation. But I can't seem to get myself to practice it every day. Would you, uh, would so, you ever do like a silent retreat? Have you ever done? Yeah. That? I, well, mm-hmm. um, was it partly silent? Esalen is basically silent. It is in most places. And, yeah. yeah. Except uh, for the seminars. So yeah. then, what about meditation? Yeah, so. Meditation apps, which I have generally kind I've of used, a uh, helpful. Yeah, helpful. I've tried to use one, yeah. but I also there's a part of me that has an issue you with like meditation right than having this technological sort of. Of angle I understand that, but um, it works. It does. Nope. It is helpful. The apps do actually. Uh, they're additive and, and not depletative, or whatever the opposite of additive would be. There you um, go. The the apps that I use mostly are for guided meditation to help me to sleep, and those are very. I, need that. I can't yeah. sleep. Yeah. Uh, although you've helped me out a lot with that. Okay, what about uh, insects as the world's new protein? Um, I, I think it's only a matter of time before they're source of protein. Are there Rocco Cricket Burgers in some book upcoming? Or have uh, you? No, not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so you're down. I've, experiment, I've experimented with cricket protein, eating you know, grasshoppers and all that. Um, it makes sense on paper. It's, it's, so yeah. Rocco as, so a, as like paper, an idea. Do you, do you, do you, right, I was going to say, yeah. do you, do you the, pick the it? The amount of sugar you need to use to make it yeah. you know, somewhat mm. palatable sort right. of defeats the purpose. Right. But in terms of sustainability, there's no question that you know, the, the so as an idea to know, as a as a practice for you personally right now, it's, it's as an a idea, no. it's a yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, as a practice for me, it's not not really a big part of my life. If you had to pick that path, would you pick the cricket path or the pea protein path? Well, see, I would go plant based. Why why go cricket? Yeah. Why eat uh, an animal that doesn't taste good when you can eat vegetables that taste fantastic <laughs> right. and produce the same reduction in carbon footprint and all the sustainability metrics that you're yeah. going after? Uh, could be. It's an easy answer off the top, but. Um, Reality cooking show competitions. Uh, so recently, as you know, I warmed up to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was not oh, I like that. Okay, so you were not for a long time. I mean, then this is meaning you as all, said no to all of them. you as a participant, yeah. right? Me which is kind of really yeah. Yeah. like when I heard you were competing on some of these Food Network things, I was like, wow, that's I, that is yeah, it. Kind of, that's, uh, that's what I thought to myself. <laughs> now, did you what 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 caused that? Uh, I'll tell you what caused yeah. that. Yeah, um, my admiration for our good friend Guy Fieri. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, admiration is, yeah. Um, And uh, I wanted to do it since the first season, but, you know, every time I was told about the trip and how long it takes and there was never enough time. Sure. And um, I, you know, run into a guy here and there, and uh, he's just so cool. I got to make time for this. And I did, and then they said, well, we're doing a tournament. I was like, okay, I'm here. (laughs) I guess I better participate. And then you got, and when you did it, you kind of, you like, you kind of liked it, didn't you? I got lucky and won the first ones, so that's well, how know, they really win. Yeah, that's, that's how they really win. They yeah. let you win the first one. That is one. true. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 First of all, no one lets you win anything. Yeah. You're just incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're, you're an O for like, the idea of it. Do you think there's any negative to 
like realitycookingshow.com for younger cooks, um, not for... I think it's not a negative. It's just a different thing to deal with. So think about all the challenges and thoughtfulness that we that's required of us in our careers. If you're 15, 20 today and you want to be a chef, you might be fooled into thinking that you can become a chef in reality food competition, which is partially true, by the right, way. Right, right. There are people who are doing that and being successful at it. But you end up being a chef who never worked in a restaurant, mm. and I don't know if you want to be that kind of chef. Yeah, well, it's Maybe also kind, it's kind of hard. Like, I mean, I think, yeah. and then, you know, to kind of wrap it up here, the, your story, which I always find, it's, it's always amazing, is like, people know you from just like one cross-section of whatever your world is, and they might only know you as the fitness guy. They might mm. only know you as the chef from, you know, this three-star mm. restaurant. Uh, but you worked really hard to get to where you're at. And each of those levels that we talked about in this podcast, like you actually put in the time, you put in the 10,000 hours or yeah, uh, the, 10 years of work yeah, to get yeah, to yeah. each and every, every part of it. Um, dude, you're amazing. You're Thank an absolute you. inspiration. Thank Last you. thing we do is something we call 86. It's 86. Okay. What's one thing in the world or that Rocco Despirito wants to 86? It could be personal. Carbonated it could be serious. water. Wow. <laughs> because... It's it's a trick. You, people think it's healthy because it's water, right. because it's carbonated water is made by carbonic acid being introduced into an al- otherwise alkaline water. Uh, it turns into acid, and you think you're drinking something that's good for you, but you're not. Oh my god! First yeah. of all, you're blowing my mind because I, I am a carbonated water freak. Yeah, I know yeah. a lot of people are. are. Yeah. Yeah. And what is the negative? What, what's so the what's negative on? is that you're you're supposed to be drinking something that's alkaline, which is great for you. Right. Low, low inflammatory, having a high alkaline body and, and uh, bloodstream is great, but if you drink a lot of carbonated water, you're introducing a lot of acid to your body, and so you're doing the opposite of the good that you expect, you think you're doing. Dude, Rocco Despirito so you're not actually hydrated. and you're dropping not knowledge at the end of the podcast, and no one has ever said that. No. Uh, dude, thank you so much for yeah, hanging no, out with us. My dude. pleasure. You're, you're awesome. We are now shaking hands. We are shaking hands. <laughs> for those of you. Uh, the no, table's yeah, long, so Jasmine is now shaking, shaking Rocco Despirito's hands. That has actually happened. Jasmine has a harder handshake than yours. Yeah, uh, well, my hands you know. are so soft. <laughs> chef, I always get that. Dude, thank, thank you so man. much, man. You're the best. Appreciate we'll do it again, right? I hope. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our sponsors who make this all possible to San Pellegrino. You've been here from the beginning. To find San Pellegrino in your area, visit SanPellegrino.com. And to True Car, visit True Car for a better car buying experience.